and that we love a chat We love to help and that's a fact So we have made it our mission to find stuff out From diagnosis and education Slimming out of pure frustration Chat to folks who've been there too Collect it together and share it with you If you know someone we should speak to Send them our way and that's what we'll do We like to have our sensory natters You know what? everybody it's Jenny here back from holiday and I've got Lorraine for another Sensory Matters show how are you Lorraine? Hi I'm fine thanks have you had a nice holiday? Amazing although already it seems like an eternity ago it's amazing how quickly you you get back to normal but yeah it's honestly the best holiday ever it was awesome. We were all very jealous. (laughs) Yeah so I feel I feel kind of semi-refreshed and like I got an actual good break so it was good. Um, So today we're doing things slightly differently. Um, We have spoken for a while about um, the book, The Kiss Quotient, and we wanted to do a review on it. So we're going to have that as the main chunk of what we're talking about. But we're also going to have all the other things we usually have when Katie and Lorraine join me, um, which is um, anything newsworthy that we've seen, a sensory matter and a listener's question. So before we get into the kiss quotient, shall we do newsworthy? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so what what's what's newsworthy this week? Uh, well, this week I had my assessment and diagnosis. Woohoo! So yay! Yeah, it really, um, it hasn't gone at all how I expected. It was quite easy. Wow! Um, but we're going to do a podcast more in depth about everything from start to finish. I've still got one more appointment to go, but it's basically just a rubber stamp exercise. Fantastic. So you must you must feel really chuffed. I feel like a different person. Good. Yeah. Well, anyway, we won't go into it because we're, we're, we'll do a whole episode on this for sure, because um, I think it's relevant to an awful lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's fab news. Excited to chat to you more about that. We'll do that maybe next week. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so the Kiss Quotient is um, by Helen Huang, I think it is. Is that, no, is that the not right name of the author? Sounds Um, right. I'm not very good at pronouncing it. Yes, that's right. I don't know whether whether I'm saying it right. Helen Huang. Um, Anyway, this is a book that some friends of mine um, said we should read and do a kind of little review book club on it. And the reason why they picked this book, funnily enough, for us to read was we were all hankering after... Fifty Shades of Grey type stuff and nothing's been anything near that since Fifty Shades of Grey and we were looking for something steamy to read and this was but then some people in the group were like I didn't like it and I don't want anything too saucy so can we go for a classy steamy novel novel so the woman that was picking the book googled and came up with this book so this is how this came about and then I read it with no idea that it had any link to work at all and fell in love with it, not for the steaminess, but for the autism side of it. Um, so that's how it came about. And then I said, Lorraine, you've got to read this. And unfortunately, Katie's off this week, so we're missing Katie. But she I don't know whether she's had a chance to read it. So what did you think, Lorraine? One of the best books I have ever read. When I finished what? it, I had a massive book hangover. I I know. It's so good. Why um, was it so good for you? Well, can I just say, first of all, I'm not a Fifty Shades of Grey fan. That's um, fine. I, try, I tried to read it, couldn't get into it. I'm not a a love story fan, like for reading 
reading love stories. I, I like films like that, but not really books. So I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because you said that the main character was Asperger's, I thought, well, you know, I'll see how it goes. So I downloaded it on Audible. And as soon as I started listening to it, I just couldn't stop. Yeah. I fell in love. So what, what was it that, because it's not, it's nothing like Fifty Shades Grey. Let me be clear now. There's like, it's nothing, nothing like it. So if anyone isn't a Fifty Shades of Grey fan, please don't let that put you off that I've mentioned that because it really is nothing like it. Um, but I'm like you, I don't usually like romancy stories um, so much. I prefer thrillers and things like that or real things. But um, yeah, so what was it that gripped you so much? Well, I think it was about six minutes in mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my God, she sounds just like me. So that, mm-hmm. that was one of the first things. Okay. Um, because of all the sensory issues around sex and kissing and touching. Yeah. So I was like, God, oh, this just, this sounds really like me. So I thought I'm going to listen to it purely for that. Because to be honest, there was a few parts that got quite erotic-y. And because I'm not used to those sort of books, I was like, I wouldn't normally listen to this. Yeah. But I wanted to persevere because I really liked the thought of her character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you know what I loved? In fact, my my friends who had this book recommended met last weekend and we were talking about the book and what quite a few of them were saying they were disappointed in is that some of them, obviously because they don't operate in our world, are not as familiar with... um, the, the traits and they have very kind of not through their own you know that they, they, they kind of have fixed ideas of what autism is I suppose but um and they were saying that they felt that it was a shame that the book didn't explain more about her autism because it was an opportunity to educate more people and they would have liked to have learned more however I actually think that's what I loved about the book in that it was it's like autism in real life. It's like Asperger's in real life in that it's part of the story. It's not the focus of the story. Yeah, if that the, makes sense. yeah, the book's not about autism or Asperger's. The book is about two people falling in love in a really weird situation. Yeah. And it just so happens that Stella is Asperger's. Yeah, that's it. And it's I, I think it's dealt with quite nicely in that it's just part of who she is rather than, because all the, all the other books that I've read along this thing tend to be the reason for the book is the autism. Yeah. That's why they've written it. Um, whereas this is just part of her character. And then that's that's kind of, for me, like what it's like in real life, isn't it? It's just part of your, it's just part of you. It's not the reason, it's not your life. It's just part of your life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I think it's really good. So basically for, for the people that have not read it, the rough idea is you've got this, um, the main character, Stella, whose mum is putting her under pressure to have grandchildren. She hasn't really done dating before and hasn't had, well, she has, but hasn't been very successful. Um, so she decides she's, that she's going to go and learn how to be a good girlfriend And so she hires an escort called Michael and explains to him, but without saying anything about her um, diagnosis, um, that she wants to get better at it. And through that process, they fall in love anyway, and there's ups and downs along the way, and and that's it, Um, which I think is a really interesting um, way for them to have explored how probably many people feel around sex and the physical side of relationships. 
Yeah, I think for me, at the beginning, she talks about the few sexual partners that she's had and how basically she's been on dates. And this, this is something that really got me because it is something that a lot a lot of um, women on the spectrum do is that you think you've expected to do certain things because you don't mm-hmm. quite understand the socialness of dating. Sometimes we think that that's the next step. So she's had sex with these people because that's what she yeah. thinks happens and she's not enjoyed it because she didn't do it for enjoyment. She did it because that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. It's yeah, that like, makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like masking. Yes. Sexual way. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just doing what's expected of you to, to fit in and, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. And then that that's probably the reason that I didn't mind the erotic parts of it because sometimes it was a bit too much and I thought, ooh, it's a bit cringy but Mm. it was so honest and I related to it so much and just the fact that she's obviously done these things because that's what she thinks she's supposed to do and then she's met this guy who she actually connects with who understands her as a person and it just shows how things can be different yes yeah because he's incredibly patient with her and and you know but also pushes her as well also you know pushes her to to explore, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's good. Yeah, and the whole time um, I was reading it, I'm thinking, please end up together, please end up together, and you don't know, you can't tell what's going to happen until you I actually know, read it. We the won't book. spoil it for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the, the there's that side of it. The, I think it brings up some other interesting questions, though, such as, would you ever, um. I mean, I know it's a story and it's fictional, but would you ever consider using an escort to use, not you personally, but just in general, um, to explore this side of thing? Is that just a crazy fictional idea in a book or is it a sensible strategy for um, developing confidence in the bedroom? So I think there's got to be people out there who want to have sex but don't want to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And therefore, an escort would be the, the ideal answer, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not 100% sure about the laws of escorts. <laughs> I don't know either. Like in some countries, obviously, prostitution is legal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not sure. But I think if there are people out there who don't want a relationship, but they will want the sensory side of sex, mm-hmm. um, where other people will want relationships and not want sex at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like with autism and being other- a spectrum. It's, it's, I think it's the same with everything. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that's interesting is if you flipped it and it was a man and the and, and Stella was the escort, wouldn't that change things a bit? And why? Oh, it absolutely would change it. Yeah, it would be sleazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would feel like a book like that would be sleazy and I don't know why. Yeah. Just but isn't that fascinating? Yeah. It is fascinating because, I mean, we, we talk a lot on here about um, you know, gender and and acceptance and diversity and all that sort of stuff. Yet, it feels different if you flip this the other way. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. But yeah, flipping it really changes a lot of things. Like, I I didn't feel that she was vulnerable with no. my, but I think if it was a man with a woman escort, I, f- I somehow feel that he would have more vulnerability. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, it's re- yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And how do you think um, the way her autism Asperger's was portrayed and laced through the book? How well presented do you think that was in terms of? I want to say a typical presentation, but there is no typical presentation. But I'm sure you get my point. Yeah, I thought it was really well presented, but obviously she comes from wealth. Yeah. So a lot of issues that we would have, she didn't have because she could have her clothes individually made in the silk that she liked and all of that yeah. kind of things. You know, she she had her own house, which was minimalist, exactly how she wanted it, where a lot of us can't afford those sort of luxuries. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah, pretty typical, but with money you can <laughs> do a lot more. Mm, now, that's interesting. So do you think with money it could make your journey through the world easier in terms of your sensory challenges? Yeah, well, if I had money, my next door mm-hmm. neighbor's house is for sale, for example. If I had the money to buy that, I would mm-hmm. buy that and then make a sensory area. Mm. Because, obviously, in our house there's me, Jamie, and Joe is not yet diagnosed, but been told that he's also on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. We could have somewhere, somewhere that we could all go and escape. Right. Um, like yesterday, I needed to get away, so I went and sat in the car. Right. But if I had money, I'd have a little room for that. You'd have your own sensory room, wouldn't you? You'd have everything. If you yeah. And I think particularly the clothing side of it is would would be really good for a lot of people, just being able to get things made exactly how you want it. Absolutely. And also a lot of sensory things, people just add zeros on the end so that it's a, yeah. they'll get, take a typical product and think, oh, I can sell this in the special needs market and I'll just add three zeros on the end of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like People struggle to get a weighted blanket because they're so expensive where if you had money, you'd just buy one. And if you didn't like it, you could just get a different one. Yes. Yeah, I think definitely money would help. Yeah. <clears throat> So you so you feel that it was a fairly good representation? Yeah. Apart from the money side? Yeah, well, not really apart from it. It was just that I feel that she coped better because of the money and the things that she could yeah. do with it because she had her own apartment with everything that, the way that she likes it. Obviously, she, she hadn't met anybody that she'd married. She hadn't had children. So things like the fact that she could work full time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of autistic adults who can't work full-time, but me personally, if I hadn't had children, I think I'd probably be working full-time. I mean, I pretty much work full-time now anyway from home. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you're doing something that you love, because she was doing a job that she loved, yeah, um, and that was her life, actually. She didn't have any other life apart from her job until she met Michael. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's, in a way, you can look at it and think, oh, but not, not many autistic people are in full-time employment, but because of who she is and, and where she's been, she's managed to, to get that. And it's like me, I've got the perfect job. Yeah. She she had the perfect job. Yes. Yeah. What did you think about the, the section where she goes to meet Michael's family for the first time and it didn't really go very well? I thought that was a bit weird. Okay. Um, Because they changed the contract. So they were, instead of being an escort, it was more like practice boyfriend, girlfriend. So I I understood the need for it, but it made me feel really sorry for Michael's family mm-hmm. because he's introducing her as a girlfriend and they may get to like her, which they did. And then in the end, it could all fall apart and then that hurts his family. 
Yes. I just felt yeah. that those two should have been separate, but obviously for the book, it needed to happen. But in real life, yeah. So do you think that bit wasn't very real feeling? Do you think it felt more like it was there for the purpose of the book? Or do you um, think it did feel real? I'm not sure any of the book actually felt real. I'm not sure yeah. any of this would ever really happen. It was just such no. a captivating story that you couldn't put down. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, um, I wouldn't have introduced somebody to my family if, if that was the situation because that's really unfair on all parties. But because it's a book. Yes. It, yes, I think it's needed in the book. Yeah, I think it's a pivotal part of it, isn't it, to, yeah. to set up the rest of it. Um, but then, I, yeah. I thought it was interesting that in the main, she can manage at work and mask and, and, and you know, be there. So to then have had such a bad experience in another social situation with her family, with, with his family, that bit just didn't quite ring true to me because it's almost like at work she's figured out the rules of the game and knows how to uh, perform or mask to, you know, allow her to get on in a job. Yes, there are one or two things that people think, well, she's, you know, not very chatty or whatever. Yeah. But to then go to the other extreme where she becomes quite rude didn't quite add up for me or is that or maybe, am I off? well maybe that's what they're trying maybe they're trying to portray different traits of the spectrum maybe yes, that's what they were maybe. trying to do because we do get mistakenly rude quite a lot yes so yes and maybe that was the yeah, point maybe maybe the people that she works with are just used to her yeah. Whereas it was a new bunch of people. Yeah. Anyway, I, I would say um, for anyone that's not read it, read it. It, it is so good. You just literally can't put it down. Um, it's fictional in that it's a story and exactly what Lorraine says. It doesn't really um, represent what might happen in real life. But I love the fact that the Asperger's is laced throughout the book but it's not the sole focus of the book as well. Um, so I think it's 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 really well worth a read. Would yeah, you agree? I, really, I really like the acceptance of it. So Michael's cousin, for example. Yes. He, he knows pretty much straight away when he meets Stella. Yes. That he's on the spectrum. Um, and I just love the fact that it's just an accepted thing that it's not, oh, she's autistic. It's like you need you need to tell him that you're autistic so that he can make changes to help you but yeah there's yeah. no oh my god she's autistic and she's with him it, yeah I, just, I really like the fact that everybody was so accepting because I think in 2019 that's how people should be absolutely um, yeah and the fact that he asked her straight out you know when they went to the club yes you had to get out of the club and I can't remember did he ask her straight did he say are you autistic or did she say she was something happened no I think the cousin asked yeah and I thought that was quite good because I think Sometimes it is, it is quite obvious. Yes, but it's probably also sometimes quite hard to say. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he was on the ball and recognised it was made it easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, especially because he was close to Michael and she didn't want Michael to know at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So we'll take a quick break um, and then we'll come back and we'll chat about our sensory matter and a question from a listener. Back in a minute. <laughs> 
throughout July, you can get 10% off our tread bangles, both adult and child. No need to do anything. Just go to our website where it is already discounted. If you need any help or support, then please join our Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group on Facebook. Now back to the podcast. Okay, welcome back. Um, so we were chatting about The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Please go read it if, if you haven't. It's a fabby book. We loved it. Um, I think we'll possibly try and do a few more books and maybe do them once a quarter or something and review them on here. Um, so next we've got our sensory matter of the week. What's that, Lorraine? End of term. End of term. Change of routine. Everything off timetable. It just causes so many problems. Yeah, how's that affected Jamie? Well, Jamie hasn't been in school for five weeks now. Wow. She was supposed to go back, and then we got an email with the last three weeks' timetable changes, and as soon as she saw them, she freaked out. Now, this is interesting to me, because obviously Jamie's school is is should be much more equipped than a mainstream school in terms of understanding um, how much this can impact children. Yeah. So why do they still make so much change at the end of term? I honestly don't know. We had a meeting and we discussed this and they said there would be something available that Jamie could access because Jamie has to be on timetable. Jamie has to be learning. She has to be school. And that, that's if you're at school, you're there for school. Yeah. But then when we've got this timetable for the last three weeks, which is now they've got the end of this week and next week, it's school trips and things, which I know every school does, but not every child can cope with. Yeah. So I really, yeah. I've always said I don't understand why a special school would change the routine or change it so much. I know some children really enjoy trips and some of the kids have gone to Harry Potter land and, you know, there's quite a lot going on. Yeah. But I think three weeks worth of changes is a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, but I just, I just wonder why. I really, I really do just wonder why. I even wonder why. I find... Um, the last few weeks of term, the probably the most stressful out of all of them as a parent because the number of things you have to remember, the number of letters you get with it's pat lunch this day, it's a picnic that day, it's a school trip this way, they we're doing this, come in and see this show, come in and see that show, and it's it's constant, yeah. absolutely constant. So I've, um, got, I've got Joe who's in mainstream secondary, yeah, and he's school refusing at the moment uh, we go through phases yeah. depending on his anxiety but um yesterday I thought he was ill and it turned out it was anxiety because somebody had told him that yesterday was sports day and uh... because it's because it's mainstream secondary as a parent I don't get the letters right I don't know what's going on he has to prepare himself for that and do his bag and all that kind of thing yeah um and then obviously to him he's like well I I can't do sports day because it doesn't matter if you like sport. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to c- compete against people. No, I know. So that was it. Yeah, so that was yesterday. And then tomorrow, they're completely off timetable. They've got some careers thing going on. Um, and for him, that means he has to speak individually to adults that he doesn't know. Which is hard. He can't. He just, yeah, I mean, he's been so anxious about it. So I'm just waiting actually for the school to get back to me because I don't really know what to do with him. Try your hardest to get them in. But he's yeah. bigger than me now. Yeah, I know. And then my husband's away on a course, so I've got Jamie at home, who should be at school. I've got I'm on my own, and I've got him refusing school. We've got appointments coming out of our ears. 
it's just an absolute nightmare. Yeah, juggling nightmare, yeah. absolutely. Where if the timetable was exactly the same as normal, there wouldn't be half wouldn't of these problems. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Um, I just wonder. I just wonder why. I mean, I suspect they think they're doing fun, exciting things. Um, and for some kids, it is fun and exciting. Yeah, I'm not doing lessons. This is brilliant. But not all kids yeah. like that. No. I don't. Oh, no. I don't think as a child I would want to go around and and speak to people about their careers. Not at thirteen. No. I don't know what I would ask. I know. So yeah, to to make it a whole day. So have you got any tips or solutions for for handling well changing routine? With Jamie, we've always missed the last week of term at Christmas mm-hmm. and summer. That's just something we've always done. I think things have been a bit unfortunate with, with Jamie that we've been out of school for such a long time now. Um, but yeah. they're looking up in that in that area. Um with Joe, because his issues didn't really come to light until he started secondary and he's only in year eight, I'm still trying to find my feet with what to do there. Yeah. So I'm making yeah. notes, always make notes about everything. That's my tip. Um I'm mm-hmm. making notes about what what's what changes are upsetting him, what's affecting him, what's causing him anxiety so that next year yeah can avoid all of those same things yeah because for me yeah if if he knew in advance say tomorrow these people are coming in and you're talking about um employment and things for the future if that one day is going to affect his whole week then Mm -hmm. I would rather him do something else that day but still access the other four days of learning yes and I guess you could present present that to them yeah as an idea once you've made notes and thought about this yeah yeah, so you can prepare, hopefully, better for next year. Next year, year yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and if anyone else has got any tips on this, then please do put them in our group or on the Facebook page because I'm sure there are others that would be interested to learn um, as well. Okay, so the, the last thing is the question from a listener, which um, someone put this in our group, actually, and we thought it was an interesting question which is, do you ever listen to songs on repeat? I definitely do. Do <laughs> this, you? Yeah, this came up a lot in my assessment. Right. Um, so when I was a kid, I used to wear out cassettes. Right. So I'd get, um, I particularly remember Brian Adams waking up the neighbours. I got it for Christmas. I think uh-huh. I was about 10. And I constantly had it on repeat. So when I went back to school in the January, it was broken. Oh, wow. Like um, that much. So yeah. Like how long could you listen to a song on repeat for? Well, with that, it was the whole album and it was just constant all day long. Right. Um, I remember having my Walkman and I just have it on constantly. So would you um, now, do you have like Spotify or, you know, any kind of music streaming type thing? Yeah, I've got Spotify. I've got Amazon. I've got Apple Music. I've got them all. Right. Okay. So with that, do you... Um, do you have a sort of playlist that you repeat or does it tend to be individual songs? It's individual songs or artists. So what I'd, I try and be mindful of the people in the house. So mm-hmm. I go through phases where I'll just say, Alexa, play the Beatles. So I'll just listen mm-hmm. to the Beatles constantly. It's the same with Little Mix, Brian Adams. I've got the same ones um, that I go that I go on. And then specific songs I've got, um, Meredith Brooks, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the title, <laughs> bitch. Okay. Um, that's one that I'll play. I'll say, Alexa, play this. Um, 
and Tony Braxton, who wasn't man enough. There's just like certain random songs and I'll play them for weeks and then I'll move on right. to another one. Okay. And these songs... I, I would do that to a certain extent. Like I'd have a list of sort of favourite songs that I play all the time over over a few weeks until I get bored of them and then I'll choose a different set. So how how is what you do different? Well, mine's just one song most of the time. Right. If it, depend, it, it depends what I'm doing. So if I'm in the car, I might have a playlist mm-hmm. because I'm driving and I don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in the kitchen and say I want to listen to... So another one is NSYNC Girlfriend. Right. Like I'm not an NSYNC fan. And none of these songs that I listen to on repeat, I'm not a fan of any of their other songs. <laughs> just these particular songs. So I'll be in the kitchen... And I'll just put those songs on repeat because I can keep saying, Alexa, play such and such. And I can probably tell her to repeat it, but I don't. Right. Wait until it's finished and then I tell her to play it again. How funny. Yeah. And and so in the group when that was posted, did did lots of people say they do the same thing? Yeah. And somebody else put about um, wearing out cassettes as well, which I thought was quite good because it made me feel old when I I said that I did that. Uh, because in my assessment, it was like, oh, well, what do you do now? Because when I was younger, what I used to do was I would buy a cassette and then I would copy it onto other cassettes. You know, you used to have the two-sided tape players. Yeah. So I would copy my album onto several cassettes so that when I wore those out, I would have other copies. <laughs> How funny. It was the same with films. I wore out video yeah. cassettes and I used to, every time something came on the telly, I would record it again so that I had backups. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So definitely sounds like you're not alone in that one. Yeah. And um, I think if you enjoy something, I think the melody, like everything, it just kind of, there's something about a song if you listen to it on repeat, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you just get to know it really well as well, I suppose. Yeah. Sometimes I like to get to the point where I know all the words to a song. Yeah, I was just going to say, sometimes I like to know all the words and then I like to listen in depth to know exactly what the song means. Okay. So the Spotify's good for that. Gives you all the info as well. Yeah. Um, I like the background to the song. Yeah, I quite I like do. reading about that. I like that, but I like to make up my own versions of why they've come up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes me and, me and Dean will be in the car if we're going somewhere and we'll put a song on and I'll say, what do you think that means? So then we'll just keep rewinding little parts of it to try and work it out. Yeah. But yeah, very cool. Fabi, right. So um, I think that's us for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in in summary, we've got Lorraine's got her diagnosis, woohoo, which is good and amazingly quick actually. Um, so we're going to talk about that next week and go into a bit more detail on that. Um, we spoke about what nightmare end of term changes can be for our children. Um, listening to songs on repeat and covered, of course, the wonderful book, The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. So um, make sure you get it and read it if you haven't already. Can I just say so something that, about, about the name of the book? Yeah. Right. I don't know yeah. if this is, a, is an autism thing, but I read phonetically. So I've always called that The Kiss Quotient. Ah, how funny. And I know it's not right because I listened to it on Audible. So when they mm-hmm. said, it's, but I can't see it any other way. <laughs> how funny isn't it yeah um, yeah be interesting if you do that let us know people out there that would be interesting to know fab right so that's it for this week next week back with Lorraine's story on her diagnosis 
and we will see you all soon bye everyone bye well that's it for this week and thank you once again for listening we really do appreciate it if you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds then go and give us a five star review on iTunes it really helps other people find our content and we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews so go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five star review on iTunes to help others find us also so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available why not hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss us finally if you're not already a member of our fantastic facebook support group i suggest you go join it we'd love to see you in there there's loads of fantastic chat lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you so go and search on facebook for the chewy gem sensory support group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes speak to you then bye